our country and all the things that are happening and going on. Father, we thank you today for the blessing that it is for us to be a part of the United States of America. Father, we thank you for all that you've given us as far as the freedom. Father, our rights in this country. We thank you for the founding fathers in this country being founded and based, Father, on the word of God. And Father, today we stand in agreement together in this place, Father, with other believers, I'm sure, around this country and around the world. Father, calling America back to her heritage, calling America back to her founding, calling America back to the truth of the Word of God. We pray today for every leader in this country, Father, whether it be from the White House all the way down to the Mayor's House. Father, we thank you for county commissioners and governors, and we thank you, Father, for state representatives. We thank you, Father, for the Senate. We thank you, Father, for all of the ambassadors that are representing the United States across this world, for the men and women who serve in the armed forces. Father, for those who protect our country here at home through first response, we thank you, Father, that you are are protecting and watching over those who serve you and those who serve this country. And today, Father, we ask you, that your spirit move on behalf, Father, of our president all the way down to the lowest person in public service. We thank you that your spirit permeate, Father, where they are today, permeate their beings, pull on their ears, tug on their hearts, Father, that America comes back to righteousness. Father, we thank you for it and we call it forth today together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. You glad you came to church? Church is a good place to be, isn't it? Amen. It's good to see you. You may have a seat. God is good. We got uh, some things to talk about today and go through, and we have some flags for you back there when you leave so that you can uh, wave your flag. It's not big. You can't probably put it out front of your door, but you can wave it around with you and, and take it as we go. We're going to talk about uh, today, awaking to the price of freedom. That uh, The message last week was awake... And it was about his life in you. And, and we, get, we get really excited about, about speaking to that life that we were called to live in this earth, about, about speaking to the dry bones in our own life. And, and today we're going to talk a little bit about the price of freedom. And next week we're going to talk about speaking that life and speaking to the dry bones of this country and the people who are in this country and around the world, revival. People awakening unto the call of God in their life, awakening unto the truth that Jesus Christ died on the cross for them. But today I want to just share a little bit about the price of freedom. In, in, in Mar, uh, May, right before Memorial Day, I shared a message, Is There a Cause? And we talked about David in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and the fact that, that he came to his brethren who were fighting against the Philistines and, and who were scared and upset and, and didn't know what to do. And he came on the scene as a young man and he realized that Goliath and the Philistines were not just standing against the children of Israel, not defiling the children of Israel, but even beyond that, defiling the very name of his God. And that struck him. That irritated him and that bothered him. And so he said, I will go, I will go and I will fight this Philistine. Nobody's going to come against or defile the name of my God. And so he stood against Goliath, even though everybody said, you can't do that, you're too young, it won't work, how you can, all those things. But he said, I'm going to go and I'm going to do it. And then he said, is there not a cause? We said the cause on that day, we said the cause was greater than us. It created opportunity for us whatever that cause may be in your life. 
that it rarely is convenient, that it comes sometimes, and the defense of that cause comes sometimes at very inconvenient moments. And then the fourth thing was that cause comes with giants. You know, there was Goliath in his life, but in your life, whatever that cause may be that God has called you to, I'm telling you that all those four things exist. It is greater than you. It creates opportunity for you in your life. It, it, it is inconvenient sometimes, and it comes with giants. But in this country, I think the church at this time in our nation, leading up to this point, of course, but especially at this time in our nation, I, I believe that this, this, this country and different sects and different, different parts and is coming against and almost like this children of Israel standing against the Philistines, defiling the name of God, defiling the truth that we know in Scripture. And, and God speaking to us as the church and saying, there is a cause. Will you fight? Will you stand? And our, our nation has taken some turns and taken some directions, and, and some of them were good, but some of them haven't been so good. And as the generations have, have gone on and, and we've gotten away from the Great War and World War II and a lot of these things where people were coming together as a group to fight for the cause, uh, we've come down to a society of people who don't know much about the cause. They've only lived in the freedom and not understood or realized the sacrifice. And as a nation, uh, younger folks, we need to... to realize and remember the price that's been paid and the sacrifice that's been made for us to live in the freedom that we live in or that freedom's going to go away piece by piece little by little what you won't fight for what you compromise to keep will eventually be lost and just as we have gained freedom in this country through sacrifice wars blood spilt people giving their lives, Martin Luther King Jr. standing up and proclaiming what is right and what is righteous in this country, giving his life for that cause. Other people in this country who have stood for things and said, you know, it doesn't matter what happens to me, my family, or my fortune. As they signed the Declaration of Independence, they put it on there and said, this is, we believe in what God has called us to do here and the freedom that he has given us in this country. Now, all of these years later, we just expect freedom. But we don't necessarily desire or expect to pay a price. And surely, in the country in which we live in, we shouldn't have to sacrifice. But as the church, we haven't stepped up and paid the price. We haven't always been the ones who would sacrifice we were worried many times, and maybe rightfully so, about our rights as a church, that the government, we're, we're fighting to keep the government out of church. Well, what if the church infiltrated the government? See, what if the church infiltrated the people who make up this country who elect the government? In Numbers chapter 32, there's a, there's a story, and I wanted to read this to you because it as I was praying about this message and what God would have us share, I mean, it's, it's near the 4th of July, God and country and freedom and all of those things. But as I began to, to pray about this, this scripture, this, this story came to my mind real quick. 
And uh, it's the children of God, and they're sharing with Moses some things, and they're just on, the, they're just on the, the east side of the Jordan, getting ready to cross over into the promised land, and they're kind of gearing up for it, and they know it's coming, they can kind of see it out there, and, and Moses is, is stirring them on and telling them about what's happened in their life, and where they came from, and where they are, and all of those things. And, and in, in verse 1 of chapter 32... It says, now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of livestock. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, they indeed, they said that that indeed that region was a place for livestock. The children of Gad and the children of Reuben came to Moses and they spoke. And to Eleazar the priest and to the leaders of the congregation. And they said, the country which the Lord defeated before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock and your servants have livestock. And verse 5 says, Therefore, if we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Do not take us over the Jordan. And, and there's a, there's a, we're going to talk a little about the freedom maybe we have in this country, but the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ spiritually in our life. And those two things aren't separate. They're very parallel and they're very entwined. And, and we many times as the church, I'm not talking about individuals, I'm not, you know, I'm just talking about the church, her in general, as she's let her guard down, has, has become run over. But here's the problem. We as a society, which has infiltrated the church, we as a society have become an I society, not a we. And we, we have, this whole, the country has. It, it's become about me and not about we. It's not a, I'm going to do it and sacrifice for the good of the cause. It's, I'm only willing to sacrifice if I am for the good of my cause. I, I take care of my house and what I have. It's gone from give me liberty or give me death to leave me alone. I'm doing all right. Why should I get involved? And it is creeped into society. And then it's creeped or crept into the church. And these, these, these are two tribes of the children of Israel and half of another one. And they're, they're, the promised land is right on the other side of the river, like West Lafayette. And they're sitting here in Lafayette. And they say, this place is good. We have livestock. That's what we do. We, we have all kinds of animals. And this place is great for animals. Why should we leave? Why should we go over there? Could you just, just give us this land? And Moses, as, as, as he, he looked down at them, and God was getting upset. Everybody was getting upset with them. And they said in verse 6, Moses said to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, shall your brethren go to war while you sit here? And I think many times as the body of Christ, we expect somebody else to go and to fight the battle, somebody else to go and proclaim the truth, somebody else to get to Capitol Hill and make a difference, somebody else to get into the governor's office or into the county commissioner's office and let them do it. I've shared that before and, I, and I've preached that before. But here's the thing. The longer we do that as a group, the less freedom we will have. We are where we are today because we have held our tongue. We've shut our doors. We've kind of collapsed in the bunker and said, hopefully this thing will pass and we'll be all right. That's not the church, I think, that God had in mind. When he sent Jesus on the cross, he sent Jesus on the cross to bring freedom. He says in Luke chapter 14, Jesus was speaking and he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom 
for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord or the year of Lord's favor. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That any man who might know the truth will be free. And then he said in verse 36 of John 8, he said, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Now, it's just like our country spiritually in your life. If you will not stand against the enemy in your life, if you will not invade the gates of hell in your life, if you will not proclaim the truth in your life, if you will not exert the freedoms that you have in your life, if you don't step outside of those doors in your life, those freedoms will wane away and you'll find yourself in bondage. There are a lot of churches in this country that are in bondage. Why? Because the people are. The body of Christ shouldn't be in bondage. We should be the ones running around with the key because we have the keys. We have the keys to bind and loose in our mouth, but we have the keys to death, hell, and the grave, the victory that's been given to us by Jesus Christ so that we invade this world and we bring freedom to the captives. Now, think about it. Statistics say that the church, the people who believe that Jesus is the way, the ones who would say that they're going to heaven and they believe, they, the, the, the statistics say they're the majority in this country. Big majority. But... Morality says that they're the minority. See, when morality begins to overtake Scripture, when morality begins to overtake righteousness, you can think what you want, but that shows who has the majority. Not just the majority in Congress. It's not a Democrat-Republican thing. It's an evil versus good thing. Well, it says that we're going to win. Yes, we're going to win. But do you want to win while you're here? Do you want to be victorious while you're here, or do you want to lose the battle while you're here, yet win the war? See, we'll be with Jesus in heaven when we all pass away, but I'm telling you there are battles to fight in this earth, and you can win the battles if you follow the Lord. But if we as a country do not follow the Lord, i.e., we as the church do not follow the Lord, then we're going to be in trouble. There's not a place for us and not a way for us. Proverbs 14.34 says, God devotion makes a country strong. But God avoidance leaves the people weak. When I played baseball, and when I played basketball too, but, but when I played baseball, I, I, was, I, was, uh, I was a hitter. I, I, was, I was the best one. But I, I, was, the, I, was, I, I was the best hitter on, on our team. And that, that's, I mean, that's what I can still do it. I coached baseball over at Harrison uh, handful of years ago and I you know I, I could still hit home runs and I could I would put my helmet on and I would get in the cage with them and I would get up to bat and I, I would hit I could always hit but I I wanted to bunt I love the I, I love the, the sacrifice in baseball there's a sacrifice fly that says you know what it's not about me it's about the team and I'm going to hit the ball as high as I can and as far as I can so that when that guy catches it we can advance or we can score I'm going to lay my at-bat down. I'm going to lay my statistics down. I'm going to lay my, what, what is good for me, on the floor. What I like to do, I'll lay it down for the good of the team. When I played basketball, I, if, I, if I made a steal and I was on a breakaway and it was a wide-open layup, I would slow down until one of my teammates came by to give him the ball to make the basket. I tried to accumulate as many assists as I could. 
I knew I was never going to be the scoring champion anyway, so I thought, well, the best I could be is the assist guy. But that was, it, became, it became about the art of sacrifice. It became about the art of making the right pass so that this guy could make the layup so that we could score. And, and in, the, in the body of Christ today, in the church today, the opportunities for us to increase ourselves in the word are so great and so plentiful that, that we've made it about increasing ourselves in the word and not about allowing the freedom of the word to flow through us. 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says that there's going to be a time, and I believe we're coming to that time, maybe in that time, but it says now, but now this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. They'll be unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, living without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God that I love what I want, I get what I want, and if it goes with the word, great. If it goes against the word, it's all right, I'll ask forgiveness. Having a form of godliness, it says in verse 5, but denying its power. You know, we, 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 we can concentrate and focus on all the things. Now, I'm not telling you not to read the word. I'm not telling you not to, to advance in the word of God and, and increase. I'm not telling you to, to not strengthen your foundation and, and, and do those. But here's the thing. If you're not taking what you're learning and what God's doing in your life and turning it outward and sharing that freedom with those who are around you, that's the problem. And so we've, we've, we've raised up a society and a group in the church that really I can listen to whatever I want to that makes me either feel good or I, I even know that might be a problem, so I say it's making me better. But if you're not making someone else better, there's a problem. If all you do is make you better and not somebody else better, that freedom that you have will go away. You think you're building yourself up and you think that there's freedom in that. There's not. There's freedom in sharing what you have. It's just like the church in this country. We decided that, you know what, the freedoms that we have, we'll just keep within these walls and we'll try to keep government out. Now, we need to do that, of course, but I'm telling you, if, if church invaded country, if church invaded government, it could turn things around. Not hide from, not get in the hole and just hope that it passes and will be okay but to invade the very community in which you live, to invade the very state in which you live, the very government that, that looks over you. We've got a governor in this particular state in Indiana, Mike Pence, who stands for righteousness. And if I were you, I would be praying for that man all the time because I, he can make a difference. He's an anointed man of God who's in a place of, of authority and in a place of influence. And he needs the mighty hand of God not just in, in pouring in him, but pouring through him into this country. He's fighting an evil fight just as we fight in our own lives an evil fight. The enemy hasn't just come to steal, kill, and to destroy what you have. He's come to steal, kill, and to destroy what this country is. And just as he does in your life, he does in this country. He may not take you out in one fell swoop, but he'll do it little by little. He's very patient and he's very cunning. And how many of you grew up in a different United States than you live in right now? I li I, I'm, I'm, I'm only 45. I grew up in a different United States than I grew up in right now. Many of us would say we would never have thought we would live in this wouldn't even This wouldn't even be a picture of what we thought we would live in in the United States of America. The freedoms that have been taken away and the morality that's been encroached upon.
Spiritually, it works that way too in our lives. Don't become a lover of self. Don't make it about you. Make it about them. Don't make it about me. I want to make it about he. That's what it's about. Now, that's our only hope as believers of staying free. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand therefore fast in the liberty that Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Last year as I was sharing a message around this time, I said that greed has replaced great. And, and what God showed me or told me this, this particular time as I was going through these things, selfishness has replaced sacrifice. Now, there is a need to take care of you and your family and those things, but I'm telling you the word every time, of the, it takes you past that. Faith takes you past you. Faith takes you past your house. Faith takes you out of this church. Faith puts you in line of other folks. Faith puts you in a place to make, meet other people's needs. Faith puts you in a place to reach out to others. Faith puts you in a place to bring freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind like Jesus did. That's what faith does. It's beyond us. It's beyond me. It's beyond those who are here. It's about him. So will we again be, in this country it's getting that way. I just use the country and our Christian walk, they're kind of parallel, so you can see it in the country, but we don't like to see it in ourselves. But it, as the country becomes less and less free, I'm telling you that that same thing can happen to us if we don't stand, if we don't fight, if we don't speak up, if we don't get involved, if we don't pay the price, if we don't sacrifice. There was a price paid and there was a sacrifice made for the freedoms that we have today. And the farther we get away from those sacrifices and those freedoms, the more we forget. For, for those who are in first service in this, this group too, you know, World War I seems like an eternity. World War II seems like an eternity. Korea and Vietnam and all the different skirmishes through there, they seem like forever away. So, you know, we think maybe in our terms as far as war and those things, not even the first Persian Gulf War, but, you know, in, in, in 2000, I guess in 2001, in September 11th, the towers came down, and on, on September 12th, this country rose up in a way, and there weren't too many people in this country who wouldn't got on some boat somewhere and gone over and fought whatever we had to fight, man, woman, or child. We were invested and we were involved. We'd been attacked, we'd been provoked. People were coming against the freedoms that we have in this country and bringing fear. And we were going to stand united as a front against that thing and advance into it. And now, 10 years later, 11 years later, 12 years later, that feeling has waned. That thought has waned. Actually, the enemy begins to turn your thoughts toward the other side. Why are we doing this? Why are we involved? Why won't these people come home? Why do we keep sending them? Why are we spending all this money? See, all of a sudden, now we went from what the cause was, and now, all these years later, we would never have thought, but now we're against the cause. Now, should it have been done differently, whatever? I, I, I don't know. That's not my, not my thing. But my thing is to stand for this country, to pray for this country, her leaders, and to stand for righteousness. In your life, you have won a battle, you've won a victory somewhere along the way, and you were on board and on guard. But how many years now later have we dropped that guard? I only talk about one just to remind us of the other. And as a younger generation person, I don't always 
take into consideration the great price that was paid. I, I don't always remember the sacrifice that people made. And there were great generations that came through there that did that, paid the price and made the sacrifice so that you and I could sit here in freedom. But many times we just sit here expecting freedom and not realizing there was a price paid. If we don't pay that price now, we'll lose it. If you won't sacrifice for it, you'll lose it. Oh, that's impossible. Just watch the times. The Supreme Court just now opens up the door to the homosexual agenda in marriage. Uh, that's, just, that's just the beginning, the cracking of the floodgates of what can happen there and what can come. Well, I never thought. Nope, you never did. I never did. I'm telling you, you begin to let down your guard and the enemy will take over. That's what he wants to do. That's his job. Spiritually in your life, you begin to let down your guard, the enemy's going to take over. I've got a video to show you of some folks just to remind us and talk to us a little bit about the price of freedom and the price that maybe they paid to get to the point we are uh, in this country. They're going to play it for us here. Uh, my name is Bill O'Brien. I uh, served in the uh, United States Army from 1963 to 1966. My name is Bill Coble. I served in the United States Army from 1963 through 1966. I was military police. I'm Jerry Borders. Uh, served in the United States Army from uh, 1963 till 1988. Uh, I'm Karen Borders, and Jerry and I were married during his military service, and my job was as a support wife. Well, I was up there in Detroit on my own, and I had two other buddies and I went up there on a scholarship to play basketball. And uh, my one fellow was close to me, he went to the Marines, and another buddy went to the Air Force, and I chose the Navy. I spent uh, from October the 9th, uh, 42 to uh, 45. Oh, I'm Mike Buckmiller. I was in the United States Navy from 1965 to 1969. I'm Jerry Nichols, and I served in the Army uh, in the National Guard from 1966 until 76. Well, I'm Ron Brown. Well, I joined the Air Force. Um, during the Vietnam era, and it's because it was in my heart. I, I needed to serve. And it just so happened on the day that the Japanese struck Pearl Harbor, I was out at the Statue of Liberty. And when we came back on the, on the, into New York City, it was mayhem. Uh, servicemen were running all over. It was like a bunch of flies after a piece of meat. <laughs> they had to get to their station. We had a water fight, and everybody chimed in, the, the women and children and everybody. I was excited to enlist. When you walked downtown to the, to the office and you signed up for the draft, you knew you had done something. Actually, I got the friends and neighbors have requested your service letter, and uh, so that prompted me to go into military service to start with. It was really, really early in the morning, and all I had to do was stick a pair of socks in one pocket and a pair of underpants in the other pocket and got on the bus. Eighteen months in, uh, my wife and I were engaged, and uh, I wrote home and asked her if she'd like to get married. On about my 
second birthday. I, I left uh, San Diego Harbor and went to the South Pacific. He was my boyfriend from the time I was 12 and he was 14. So when he enlisted, I mentioned marriage. And he wasn't particularly enthused about it. So I helped him make up his mind. I told him, it's either now or never. <laughs> well, when Jerry was drafted, we were engaged. We weren't married at that point, but we did get married in March, just before you got out of boot camp. And then he went directly from the altar to Massachusetts. And we felt what our husbands were doing were, was the right thing, even though it cost us time. The sacrifice that I saw, not just the soldiers giving up their families and, and going to fight for their country, but the families that were affected by it. We were used to not having things from being in the Depression time, but this was a different thing. This is you didn't have oil to cook with. You didn't have meat. Rationing was pretty strict. Rationing was very strict. Sugar, uh-uh. Everybody was involved. It was the family of America. If they were saving tin cans, if they were giving up their sewing machines so they could be recycled into anything, it's that family thing. Well, I think probably the biggest hardship we faced during my active duty was the fact that I started out at like $70 a month. And, uh, you know, finances were a big deal. Anybody that was over there during that time and married know that you had absolutely nothing. It took your paycheck to buy groceries and pay the rent, and that was it. Women went to work in the factories. Everybody participated. It was a united thing. Mm -hmm. I think the sacrifices are those who didn't come home. I remember to read in the Journal and Courier, and I don't remember now if it was daily, but they printed a list of names, and it was a full page of those that were injured or those who were not coming home. Several people that I knew personally uh, didn't come back and won the Medal of Honor. guy I went to school with, uh, who was actually the first person from Tippecanoe County that was killed over there. I was getting choked up on this, because it's just you always know it could be you. you know? I was honored to visit uh, a young man's uh, house that didn't get back. And I'd met his family, lived in Orange County, and, and a great, great family, and I was uh, went with a lieutenant and took some belongings and stuff, and Charlie, and that was the, the uh, ultimate, you know? Freedom, the state of being free. Exemption from slavery, servitude, confinement, or constraint. Well, first of all, freedom of religion. You can make a choice. You know, one nation under God, to vote, uh, to have a family, to find a job you want to go to instead of them telling you to. In other countries, women can't drive. They can't even be seen in public without covering everything but their eyes. It's just uh, there's not education for them. We have freedom of education. We're just, we are so blessed. Our freedoms are are just tremendous in, in what we get to do. And you need to look at the history and God and country is, is the heart of this country. In a society like ours, 
You are free to fail if it's of your own choosing, but with God's help, you also have the environment in which you can greatly succeed. Why do we have 13 million illegal aliens in this country if we don't have something that nobody else has? No, there's a great cost to freedom. Because we served to be free. But it's your freedom, so you should do it properly. The price of freedom is the production of every life. It's being responsible to what is right and what is wrong. The price of freedom is your life, actually. And so many have given it. You know, in the, in the middle there, my grandfather said uh, when he came back to New York, out of the harbor and into the city, people were running around all over the place, and those servicemen, and they were all trying to get to their stations. And he said, because we have a war to fight. We had a war to fight. And then the other theme that you hear presented through there is, it was a collective effort. It was all of America, Jerry said gathering together, whether it was rationing or whether it was giving up your sewing machine, it was sacrifice. And it wasn't one man sacrificing or one, one, one family sacrificing to send their son or daughter overseas. It was a country that said, we're going to sacrifice for what is right. All I believe today is that the church needs to realize that there needs to be a price paid. Yes, Jesus died on the cross for us, but there is a price in our life as well. Jesus told the rich young ruler, listen, pal, if you, if you want to hang on to your stuff, hang on to your stuff. But if you want true whatever lasting life then you let go of the stuff and you pick up your cross and you follow me he reiterates that all through scripture and says listen if you want to be great then then serve if if you want to if you want to have life then give your life up pick up your cross and follow me there's sacrifice in that there is sacrifice to it some of those people didn't come back and they paid the ultimate price some of you might not make it back but will we sit on one side of the jordan river while we pray that our brethren go across Or will we as the church, the hope of this country and the hope of this world, stand up and say, I will fight. I will go across that Jordan. These young men who were part of those two tribes, they came to Moses and said, we will go. We will take care of our wives and children right here and build them homes and build the sheep pens and we will take care of our livestock and then when we're done with it, we will pick up our swords and we will go across the river with our brethren and we won't come home until that battle is won. Until each one of those receives the inheritance that God has on that side of the river, we will, we will not come home. We will not have, see? We will not have our, 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 our comfort. We will not have our, our, our family. We will not have our sheep. We will pay the price and we will sacrifice. And there'll be some of us who go across the river who don't come back, but we're going to go across the river anyway because that's what's right. Grandpa said it's responsibility to what is right. We've lost that. We're at war in this country, not just at war across foreign nations and foreign lands. We're at war spiritually that the enemy of this world has come against, not just you and your house, like I said earlier, but against this country, against what she was founded on and what she stands for, coming against righteousness. And I'm telling you, it is the church, the body of Christ, who has to rise up and fight this fight because this is not a fight that's fought with guns. It's not a fight that's fought with knives and fists. This is a fight that's fought with powerful spiritual weapons that God has given us as the church. You're the only one, the church, the believers, the son and daughters of God. You're the ones who have the weapons that can take out this enemy. 
You're the ones who can stand up against the wiles of the devil. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. Pulling them down. Advancing against the kingdom of hell and the gates of hell. That it will not prevail. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God. You have anointed special armor and weapons to use in this fight. And as a responsible believer, as a responsible Christian, walking in the freedom that God has given us through the blood of Jesus Christ, it's our responsibility to use them. To get dressed every day in my, in my armor and to go out into this world and fight the battle against the wiles of the enemy. It says that you have the armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness and in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, stand. America the beautiful, America is great. America has freedom, but it's waning. And it's time for the church to stand up as the body of Christ, the blood-bought body of Christ, to stand up and to make a difference in this country, to fight the spiritual battle that needs to be fought. You're not fighting people in the streets who don't agree with you. You're fighting an enemy that wants to kill you. Don't fight against your neighbor if he believes in one thing and you believe in another. Stand up spiritually, take control of the situation, and begin to speak life. Next week, we're going to talk about calling in the saints, calling in revival, speaking to the dry bones and the dead bones that are in this community and around this. You can make a difference in this country. And you don't have to join just the armed services to do that. You're going to make a bigger difference spiritually in this country as you stand up and you proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's stand up together. God is good. Woo! Give the Lord a hand. That's good stuff. God's good. Now, maybe you're here, and you can just bow your heads right now as we pray. Maybe you're here, and you don't have that freedom of knowing that if you were to die today, you'd get to go and be with Jesus. It says that he who is in Christ is free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And that's in this place. And that liberty isn't just for us in this church. It's for you as an individual. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, but you want to, if you're here, here and you feel bound by, by religion or bound by, by, by thoughts or by the enemy in, in situations and circumstances, today is a day of freedom for you. The one in jail cannot set anybody else free. He must first be set free. So today, if you need to get your relationship right with Jesus, maybe you don't even have one. Hey, today is a great day to start. If you're here, maybe you served him once, but you wandered away. Today's a great day to come back. Is there anybody in the house that says, man, i got to get my life right with Christ before we move on and pray? Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Is there anybody at all before we go? All right. Now, in this house today, you are all men and women of God, your soldiers in the army of the Lord. And I thank you today, Father, that you don't just encourage us, Father, but you embolden us. You strengthen us. I thank you, Father, that we are the church of the blood-bought saints. Father, I thank you that we have all the power, all the dominion, and all the authority in this world. And, Father, we step out. We don't allow government to invade our, our space. We invade their space. And I thank you, Father, that as we go out these doors, we go out into a community that's full of lost people. We go out as free citizens. Father, not just of the United States of America, but of the Church of Jesus Christ. And I thank you as we go forward in that freedom. We
share that freedom. We share that liberty. We share that blessing. Father, we sacrifice for the cause. We sacrifice for you. We pay the price that you've asked us to pay. Father, it is not about us. It's about you and it's about them. Father, give us a heart to, to feel what you feel. Give us eyes to see what you see. Father, to propagate freedom, not natural freedom, but spiritual freedom in this earth to change lives for the kingdom of God. We thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.